What kind of pressure do they put on Matthew Stafford? He has time. Hesitates, throws, touchdown, Lions! And TJ Hawkinson. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yes, welcome in, boys and girls, ladies and gents. We are back once again looking at your NFL action from what was a very exciting, it's got to be said, week number seven. Plenty of close games, a few blowouts thrown in there. We'll get to it all shortly and turn our attention towards week eight, where there's a few big storylines potentially on the schedule. But first and foremost, as always, let's welcome the boys into the show. So, Tim, how are you, my friend? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a really, I just found it was a week where there were a lot of highlights, a lot of things that, that look, a lot of, not necessarily talking points, but just like one plays that are a lot of highlights. And I know we'll, we'll cover all of them as well. Um, good to see you're keeping up with your trend of, of getting a Cowboys job in there. <laughs> not at all, mate. Not at all. <laughs> it's just the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, and uh, Lawrence, let's welcome you, mate. How are you tonight? Jesus. Very, very, very good. I just wanted to open the pod tonight with a. A little tribute song to Daniel Jones. I'll tell you what, for all the stink that Daniel Jones has got since Thursday night, Todd Gurley should have took some lessons from him, shouldn't he, fellas? Let's be honest. That was one of the single greatest plays that I've ever witnessed in, in my entire life. And, and I, I took immense pleasure in, in producing the, the takeaway around that. So I hope people that... Um, read the website as well as the listen to the podcast um have a little chortle when they read the the takeaway yeah you know you know the song you should have done Lawrence. you should have done the, what's that song who sings that song uh what's that coming over the hills it's tough monster <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty that we could choose from and if there was ever a play to sum up a division it was certainly that one in the nfc east wasn't yeah. it fellas but we'll get to those games in a minute let's uh let's talk a bit more positively though and let's talk about Quite possibly one of the best games to be flexed into Sunday night football prematurely. Surely the NFL will learn from this moving forward, fellas, and bring the, the opportunity to flex games forward earlier in the season. Um, you know, just for an example, we've got the Cowboys Eagles this Sunday night, for example. Ooh. But anyway, let's not digress too much. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, we're talking about the Seahawks and the Cardinals that should have been at five past eight and was flexed to Sunday night football because of potential COVID issues for the Raiders which ultimately didn't materialise. But what a game we got in prime time. Anyone that stayed up and watched it late, obviously an hour earlier than normal. So I know a few people mm. did go the full hog and get all three games in this weekend. And Tim, they were treated to an absolute beauty, weren't they, mate? 
They were indeed, yeah. Um, big question coming into this one. Uh, well, from from my perspective, was you know could Kyler Murray and the Cardinals kind of hang hang with the big boys, Russell Wilson and the, you know kind of the trailblazers of Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf. Obviously, I'll get to Lockett very shortly indeed. But again, this was a, this was a game that had a lot of highlights uh, for loads of different reasons. Um, you know, you got Lockett's touchdowns, you've got DK Metcalf's you know 80, 90 yard tracking of Buddha Baker. Um, Essentially doing what to, you know, essentially like the Daniel Jones play, but just someone actually tackling him, I, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think the, the main reason that Arizona uh, were, were able to hang around uh, were, were the interceptions that they, you know, they were quite plucky on defense. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker, obviously two of those. Uh, and then obviously the one in, in, in overtime. Um, overtime itself was a bit crazy, wasn't it? Uh, two, both teams getting two possessions. You don't see that very often, do you? Uh, and you, you know, there were points where you know the tie would have been the odds-on favourite, uh, considering how close it got down to the, to, to all the zeros. Um, but yeah, the, the, the third interception there in, in overtime for Russell Wilson uh, allowed Gonzalez to obviously make amends for his earlier miss in overtime for for them to, to go and win it. But um, yeah, Kyler Murray uh, and Co. back in sync looked good. Really, I say lots and lots of highlights on this one. Tyler Lockett uh, having a huge game. Was it 200 yards, three touchdowns? touchdowns uh he he would have got a, a lot of people that were probably throwing their phones away in fantasy to, to from a from a loss to a win uh but yeah obviously great if you uh for for more casual viewers because obviously they would have seen the prime time game uh but yeah what a great game huge win for the cardinals and it'd be interesting to see how uh seattle bounce back because obviously another big divisional game next week against the 49ers yeah we're so used to seeing seattle come out on the right end of these type of games aren't we it seems every single game for for seattle goes down to the wire in one way shape or form they obviously came into this one lawrence undefeated on the season um and and to be fair again if you were tuning into this one late in the day they had a 10 point lead with about three and a half minutes remaining huge penalty though on a field goal which gonzalez actually nailed but a 15 yarder on fourth and 12 Gave them an opportunity. Ultimately, Colin Murray connected with Christian Kirk. Um, we've said all along that the Seattle team, as good as they are offensively, there's certainly question marks defensively. Mm-hmm. How much of a concern do you think that should be for the, the Seahawks as we sort of get in towards the business end of the season then? Massive, massive. You cannot win a Super Bowl. You can't reach a Super Bowl without a pass rush. And at the moment, I, I can't tell you who 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 is the Seahawks pass rush? Yes, they've got Bobby Wagner, who's like an all-world middle linebacker. Yes, they've got some 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 semblance of some decency in the secondary. But what is that defensive line? It's just kind of no names and it's they're they're not generating the pass rush and it's it is all Russell Wilson. I saw the stat towards the end of the game that he tied Peyton Manning as the quarterback to have the most passing touchdowns in the first six games of a season, 22 passing touchdowns. And if you recall, Peyton Manning went on to have 55 touchdowns that season and smash all NFL records. Commentators said that Russell Wilson, with that 22 after six weeks, is actually on pace to beat 55 passing touchdowns in a season. Which is which is mind blowing, considering all the all the stats kind of flowing around that 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 is possible that he could break the fifty five touchdowns in a season record, which everyone loves those kind of seasonal records when they're kind of near to being broken. So that's going to be a fascinating watch the last two three weeks of the regular season. But yeah, without without a pass rush, 
I think the Seahawks are in trouble when it comes to the business end of the season, when it comes to the playoffs. They, they, can, they can go 14-2 and two quite handsomely this year. Um, but when it comes to the playoffs, that is where they're going to get found out. So, yeah, I do have concerns. Do anyone else think, just on the on the mention of, of records and like all records that could be broken of offensively or whatever, do you reckon everyone, say years and years from now, people will refer back to this sale, you know, record since 20, 2020, the COVID year? Do you reckon, obviously, you know, you get the strike here and you get this, that and the other year. Do you, do you reckon that they'll always caveat any records broken this season by the COVID, the COVID year? There's, 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 I think that comes into play a little bit more if there's a point where that regular season actually gets screwed because at the moment we're still hanging in there for every team to play 16 regular season games. Once that, once that domino falls and somebody's not going to be playing 16 games, if that happens and the NFL is going to be vehemently against that happening. But if for whatever reason that happens, then I do think that does come into play like the kind of strike shortened seasons. But right now I think it's, 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 it's absolutely apparent that teams have missed that preseason. Mm. Not necessarily the four or five game schedule, but that that regularity of being of playing some actual ball games before the regular season, that's really showing. And mm. offenses are having their way with defenses yeah, this season that, that, because that of the, that. That was the point. Yeah, that was kind of the point. It's just saying, obviously, with injuries as well, as you think, you know, say if Russell Wilson throws 60 touchdowns, if like 20, 25 years from now, they say, oh, you know, the, someone's on, on pace to maybe break that. They say, oh, not, you know, not since Russell Wilson threw 60 in 2020 in COVID year. Kind of, I, don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, Sean. Yeah, I think there's the potential for that. I think we said at the start of the season, there was always the chance that it could be a season that had a number of asterisks attached to it. I don't think any of us expected the offensive explosion that we've had through the first few weeks of the season. I do think ultimately it will probably level itself out. It generally does as we get towards the colder weather and December rolls around and, and defences toughen up. And, you know, we saw the first bit of snow of the regular season this weekend. You know, that, that weather will turn and, and it will play a factor as it always does. Uh, but there are certainly some phenomenal numbers being put out there. So it will be interesting to see how it does level out. Obviously, more and more games now actually having fans in attendance, which is a real positive. So, you know, potentially as well, if that is having an impact, the more people we get in the stadiums, potentially the more of an advantage or disadvantage, whichever way uh, you look at it, that potentially could be. Just to finish off on the Seahawks and, and that sort of lack of pass rush, just looking at the rest of the teams in that division, the Rams have already amassed 20 sacks through their six games so far. Uh, they're obviously on Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, you've also got the Cardinals with 19 and for all their injury problems, San Francisco with 12 and that defence played very, very well yesterday. Um, you know, Robert Seller working, let's be honest, with a bunch of backups there and, and still some pretty good defence on show from the 49ers. So certainly some work for the Seahawks to do. Um, obviously, the most talked about defence in the league resides in Pittsburgh. Uh, they are the league leaders when it comes to sacks with 26 on the season. And they are now the only undefeated team remaining in the entire league at 6-0 and as they got the better of the two undefeated teams, the Steelers against the Titans in the early sky window yesterday. Steelers got up early and, let's be honest, just about clung on. Um, Lawrence, take us through it. Yeah, this was this is one of those very rare matchups. It's it's not very often that you reach 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 week seven and you've got two undefeated teams facing off against each other. 
So highly anticipated. Great that it was on Sky for everybody to see. So that was, that was terrific, terrific bit of um, bit of kind of bit of luck there. Relatively slow start for Big Ben. Um, he did find Deontay Johnson for the only score of the first quarter. It was kind of everyone was kind of feeling each other out for that first quarter. That was the only score. And then Benny Snell found the left corner of the end zone on a short run early in the second. Um, Tannehill finally managed to get the, the ball moving after having a pretty poor first 20 minutes or so. Found Corey Davis in the end zone, who's clearly recovered from his time on the on the COVID list. So congratulations to Corey Davis for being back and fighting fit. Then Deontay Johnson comes back, catches his second touchdown late in the second. And Big Ben, absolutely full of confidence. Um, and what was it, 23-7 up. He throws an absolute monster bomb. 60 yards it travelled in the air, the ball. And he was intercepted. So he could have, they could have done something there, could have added another field goal at the end of that half. But no, he went for it. Very, very confident. But that was that was his first interception. Then um, with Ryan Tallyhill still looking a little bit rattled going into the third quarter, he managed to find AJ Brown, who was in perfect stride. And what an absolutely gorgeous, I think 73-yard catch and run touchdown. And AJ Brown for kind of what, what's been a relatively slow start for him and a bit bit of time on the injury list. He is he's looking damn fine. And those those white socks always make you look a bit faster when you're running down the field. So thoroughly enjoyed that touchdown. Big Ben then had a pass deflected um, at the line and he was picked off by Jayon Brown, guy that I mentioned last week as one of those sort of unsung heroes of the Titans. So good to see Jayon Brown getting the, the turnover. Titans then came within three after King Henry went airborne. He, he kind of chewed, chewed down the yards, went airborne for the, the short goal line touchdown. And then with two minutes 35 left, Big Ben throws yet another interception. Um, this one, the second interception in the end zone, he was looking for Juju Smith-Suster, who has had a very disappointing season. Amani Hooker comes up with his big clutch pick. Tannehill then goes to work, converts a really gorgeous third down pass again to AJ Brown to set the Titans up within, just, I think they were just outside the red zone. But then that's when the Steelers' defence held on and forced the Titans to go for a field goal to tie the game up. And the up-and-down adventures of Stephen Gotkowski um, had another down, unfortunately. The, the kick went wide right. Steelers go to 6-0 for the first time since 1978, and the Titans take their first loss. And a little interesting side note here, in contrast to the NFC Least, the NFC West has all four teams on winning records after seven weeks. The 49ers, who are up four and three, are actually in the basement of their division. If they were in the NFC East, they'd have a one and a half game lead at the top of the division on the Eagles. So it just, just says what an absolutely bonkers season 2020 is so far. Yeah, I was looking at that division earlier and I think we'd sort of tipped it up pre-season. It would probably be one of the more exciting divisions to keep an eye on. It's certainly turning out that way. Someone asked a question whether it was possible for all four teams to make the playoffs. The answer is yes, it is possible because there are three wildcard spots. Is it likely? 
you've obviously got to take into account the fact they've got to play each other. And that's the only thing really that stops me from saying that, yes, it will. I think you'll probably get one coming out of either the North or the South um, with the other two, probably, you know, likelihood coming out of the West, but we will start to turn our attention a bit more towards the playoffs and what it means over the course of the next couple of weeks, once we've got past the halfway stage of the season. Um, but yeah, certainly, um, you know, the Steelers, the only undefeated team left running. Talk about, takes before the season, fellas. I had an absolute stinker, didn't I? I said the Steelers might get a top five draft pick. Certainly not looking likely, is it? Let's be honest, boys. Um, in terms of this Steelers team, Tim, just get your quick take on them. Um, they just play a very complimentary style of football, don't they? If you actually look offensively, they're not sort of jumping off the page in any of the sort of categories as a sort of high-powered offence, but they get plenty of points on the board because they're given good field position, whether it be by the special teams or that defence forcing mistakes. How far do you think the Steelers actually can go? I know a number of people have talked about them as, you know, obviously now in the talk of being Super Bowl contenders. Do you think that is realistic? Do you think when push comes to shove, they can hang with the likes of the Chiefs and the Ravens? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I mentioned last week that I think I think I mentioned on the betting pods on on Saturday. I think they're one of the best teams in the, in the AFC. Uh, again, that's not that's not uh, anything too far fetched. Um, obviously, they'll be a bit worried that Tennessee were allowed to get back into the game. They're not usually a team that are a comeback team, um, so that might worry them a little bit. But that defense again, the, the hard work was done all done early. And when you can, when you've got a defense that can limit. Um, limit other teams. You don't usually need to score a lot of points, but it's not like teams like Chicago or the Rams where you know you can have a good defense and then yeah they struggle to put stuff on offense. If they need to win the game because they they need to put points on offense, they can do, which I think is what kind of sets them apart a little bit um, from some of those other kind of middling teams. Um, yeah, I mean, put it this way, they, there's obviously a big game uh, next week, which we'll come on to a bit later on in the pod. Um, I fully expect the Steelers to take that game, to be, to be quite honest. Um, and yeah, I, I think off the back of that performance, considering that there's... You know, I say there's no stars on the on the offense at the wide receiver position. There's three very solid uh, wide receivers, and they've got a decent running game, decent offensive line, and uh, obviously Big Ben's shown no ill health so far this season. Obviously, that can change as the season wears on. But I think, like you say, they've all got complementary pieces uh, on both sides of the ball. That uh, and the thing is, well, with Mike Tomlin, okay, they they have their blips, and they obviously have they throw in the odd stinker, but they execute. They they've been doing it for years. There's not really been too much change on the, on this team as as the years have gone past in Mike Tomlin's tenure and um, so I don't see why they can't to be quite honest Yeah I think you know that potentially was a bit of a um, playoff dress rehearsal yesterday I think the Titans will be absolutely fine as well I mean to be fair Lauren she said that Tannehill had a, had a pretty rough first 20 minutes I think I saw a stat earlier that the Steelers possessed the ball for about 18 of the mm. first 19 minutes mm. I think Tennessee actually only ran three plays it was a three and out the game one yard but there you go mm. um, so like I said the Steelers six and out Titans now five and one um, plenty of other games only ended up with less than seven points in them. I will very quickly touch on the Browns Bengals. I won't spend too long on it because unless you are a fan of the sides, you're probably not that bothered. But let me tip it up for you as a game to go and watch on Game Pass, full of offense if you like offensive football. And actually, for the first time in NFL history, five go-ahead touchdown passes thrown in the fourth quarter. So, sorry if I've stole one of your stats there, boys, for later on. But Mayfield and Joe Burrow going backwards and forwards up and down the field. And like I say, five different times a go-ahead pass was thrown by one of the two quarterbacks. Obviously, big news coming out of this one in the aftermath for the Browns is that OBJ is now out for the remainder of the season and likely... 
potentially to even miss the start of next season with a torn ACL. Um, but fellas watching it yesterday, the Browns looked so much better without him on the field. There is no denying he's a fabulous talent. You know, he, he can do things on a football field that not many others can. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't necessarily clicked in Cleveland. And that was by far Baker Mayfield's best game since his rookie season. He actually finished the game once Odell Beckham had departed. He was 0 for 5 with an interception with Odell Beckham in the game. Once Odell Beckham left the game, he finished 22 of 23 for 297 yards and five touchdowns. The only incompletion he had was actually a spike of the ball to stop the clock on the game-winning drive. So a phenomenal performance from, from Mayfield just when he needed one. Joe Burrow is going to be a superstar in this league for a very, very long time. The Bengals were actually down to their eighth defensive lineman on the depth chart by the end of it. But Joe Burrow, um, he's going to break all kinds of records. We talked about records earlier. I think he's already on pace for the most 300-yard games comfortably by a rookie signal caller. He will break Mayfield's touchdown record of 26. Um, Joe Burrow is going to be a very good player in this league for a long, long, long time. Any comments on the Browns and Bengals game, boys? Yeah, just to, to obviously you mentioned there that the uh, the, the biggest storyline of obviously OBJ's uh, ACL tear, but surely um, I don't know if any of you boys are looking for a, a, a new place or a new house in the Cincinnati area. I've heard uh, Carlos Dunlap's got a place uh, a place going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very bizarre tweet. Oh, yeah, all joking aside, very bizarre timing, if you ask me. Like I just said, they, they have certainly found their go there in Joe Burrow and. Yeah, maybe Carlos Dunlap feels that he's he's not got too long left. Maybe another, you know, end of this season, maybe another season or two, and maybe he doesn't think the Bengals are gonna get to where he wants to be um, in that time. But yeah, it's a, for me certainly it's a franchise that's sort of trending upwards. Um, you know, I, I would want to be around um, if I was on the Cincinnati roster. But then again. Who knows what's going through Carlos Dunlap's mind? Lawrence, know, you're, you're sporting a Bengals cap this evening, so I think you're going through all the AFC North. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'd, I've all, I've always admired the the Tiger Stripe, even back 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 way back in the eighties. One of the seeing that that end zone and seeing the icky shuffle and the 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 Bengals with Boomer Esiason back in the day. So I've I've always had a soft spot for the Bengals going way way back. Um, I did want to give one little comment, obviously with um obj going down it's giving a big opportunity to some other guys and one of one of the browns receivers that i have always admired since he's since he sort of joined the league but never really had that massive opportunity to shine is um rashad higgins and i've i've always felt that he has absolutely huge potential but when he was sitting behind obj um, Austin Hooper, who they paid a lot of money for, so they needed to throw him the ball, and Jarvis Landry, who is a, a receive, you know, is a catch monster. You know, you're thinking, when is he going to get that opportunity? That opportunity is right now. He he led the the Browns in um, in catches and yards on on Sunday, 110 yards, 18.3 a catch. So, you know, and, and he caught all of all six balls that were thrown at him as well. So he couldn't do any more than he did on Sunday. So I'm looking for Rashard Higgins to have a, a breakout season the rest of the way. And if you are wise, I think you should be picking him up on waivers. 
No, absolutely, mate. I completely agree with you there. And, and they weren't just routine catches either. Some of those, particularly on the game-winning drive, as it turned out to be. Um, let's talk about another guy that caught balls left, right and centre. And he seems to be an absolute magician. That, of course, is Kenny Golladay. Every single catch this guy makes, he just doesn't catch simple curl rates, does he, boys? Let's be honest, he's up in the air. He's got defenders all over him and he hangs on to anything. I joked about it earlier. This, of course, is the game that the Lions ultimately defeat the Falcons 23-22, to 16-14 with just over a minute to go and Todd Gurley essentially allowed to <laughs> score a touchdown. And despite his best efforts to pull himself up short and, and only then you know run the clock down so the Falcons can kick a chip shot field goal for the win, he actually made it to the end zone. Quite funny to see James Collins <laughs> of the Lions begging the referee to award the touchdown. Yeah. Um, it, of I, course, called it, allowed... I called it the, the choke ball for a reason. Yes, certainly was. The, um, they allowed, obviously, a minute and six, I think it was, for Matt Stafford and another brilliant game-winning drive from him. He has got a reputation for doing that, hasn't he? Um, and, yeah, so there you go. The Lions improved to 500, 23-22. to 22. Shout out to our good friend, Detroit Beastie. I know he was enjoying that one on Twitter last night. A couple of other games as well that went all the way to the Warriors, Saints and Panthers. The Teddy Bridgewater Revenge Bowl, so to speak, and New Orleans 27 Carolina 24, good close game this one. Two very good sides. Um, you know, the Panthers have been quietly impressing people all over the place for the last few weeks. They potentially may have Christian McCaffrey back this week. Apparently he's suited up for practice today. They're obviously on a short week though on Thursday night, so maybe another week without run CMC. But the Saints got the big win in the division as they try and keep pace with the books. And we talked about it already, but it was the game that started off the week and that was another close one. And I'm, of course, talking about the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, we all had a chuckle, didn't we, at Daniel Jones falling flat on his face after a lovely play. It's got to be said, that's the real shame without all this. It was an absolutely brilliant quarterback keeper. Um, he fooled everybody and scampered 80 yards and couldn't complete the last 10, could he? And fell flat on his face. Um, ultimately, the Giants scored on that drive. So at least, you know, he sort of redeemed himself there. But ultimately, it was a big win for Philadelphia. Carson Wentz in the last 40 seconds. Beautiful pass into the corner of the end zone. And, you know, Boston Scott, one of the guys that, you know, you probably wouldn't have expected to have caught that ball. Um, coming up with the big play. Um, obviously, that now moves the Eagles, ironically, back to the top of the NFC East with that half-a-game lead. So there you go, fellas. Plenty of games that came down to the wire. Scott Hansen had himself quite the exciting afternoon on Red Zone. He was loving it this week. But there were a few games that, unfortunately, didn't quite go that way. We won't spend too long on these because they were in blowout city. And Tim, start us off with the game that should have been Sunday night football, but ended up being called early, the Bucks and the Raiders. Yeah, obviously glad that we were able to get this game on and obviously thankful that the offensive linemen were all uh, cleared and all the, all the rest of it. So that was obviously good. Uh, key decision in this one was uh, for me was when the, the Raiders were 24-17 down. Um, I think it was on the... Um, Tampa Bay 17, it was fourth down and one. Uh, John, uh, John Gruden decides to go for the field goal to make it 24-20. Uh, and then after that, kind of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers then blew them away. So you kind of feel like, um, yeah, considering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the offence certainly uh, seems to be kind of starting to find its groove, shall we say, and starting to put up points and starting to look quite slick and, um, and say, well, well, machine, you'd you think probably maybe go for it there if it's fourth and one on the, on the Tampa Bay 17. Um, yeah, the, the interception... 
uh, after that, um, when they were chasing Antoine Winfield Jr., um, then they were down and living. That was then. That was kind of the, the, the final nail in that coffin. Um, a lot of noise, obviously, coming out of this game. Nelson Aguilar uh, making the headlines for catching absolutely everything. Obviously, that's not something he did in Philadelphia. Um, but obviously, it was, it was his tip that led to that uh, Anton Winfield Jr. Uh, interception as well. So obviously, he's not still he's not catching absolutely everything. Um, but he, he ended up the day with over 100 yards. Um, so I'd, I'll be interested to see if you do that on the quiz on uh, this week uh, <laughs> and the touchdown as well. Um, but yeah, like I say, uh, Tampa Bay side of things, they're, they're starting to get their motor on a little bit starting to kind of get build up a head of steam Gronkowski getting a bit more action um, Tom Brady some absolute lasers uh, to, to Scott Miller but on the defence side as well Devin White had a few a huge couple of hits on Derek Carr which I'm sure he's kind of nursing this morning um, so again if you get a chance to go and see those I think one was on, on a fourth down uh, and one was on a kind of a scramble from, from Carr as well but it was um, on the, on the offence back on the offence for Tampa Bay interesting mix up in the backfield obviously it's been Ronald Jones's for the last couple of weeks with uh, Leonard Fournette has been out, but Fournette came back this week and pretty much spare, uh, split the, the backfield for Ronald Jones. So I'm sure that's uh, to the delight of all the fantasy owners out there for uh, people that have got either of those two. And just point on Gronkowski as well. You know, with, with Fox's um, graphics when, when people score touchdowns, what's with Rob Gronkowski's picture? It looks absolutely nothing like him. I mean, I don't know even what it looks like, but it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen it already, but yeah, I'm not quite sure about that one. Uh, and then also something you don't see every day. I, I, I look at the stats in this game and I saw that Jeff Heath uh, popped up. That's former Dallas Cowboys safety Jeff Heath actually registered a carry for one yard. I don't actually remember seeing that play. Uh, and I don't know if it was on a, a goal line or anything like that, but yeah, you don't see that very often. I had to kind of double take uh, to see what, what that was all about. Yeah, so Jeff Heath on the registering one yard for one carry, which is more than Devon. Uh, I think he was it? No, not not quite as good as Devon Freeman's performance. <laughs> uh, you, you talk about Jeff Heath and his contribution offensive. Let's talk about the uh, the big addition that's coming into this Bucks offense. Um, you know, for Week Eight and beyond. Um, when it was sort of talked about about 10 days ago that, oh, Antonio Brown's nearly due for reinstatement, I kind of just listened to that news and thought, yeah, he, he's been forgotten about. No one's going to re-sign him, surely to God. And then all of a sudden, he, he's now back on mm. a roster. Let's face it, he's going to a really, really good situation here, isn't he? It's already a team that we've said he's stacked offensively. Lawrence, you're nodding, ahead, nodding along. Are you a fan of the move? I wasn't a fan of Antonio Brown's behaviour in the last 18 months because some of it has been pretty criminal. What he did to the Oakland and now Las Vegas Raiders, I think, was pretty heinous in terms of how he behaved and how he got himself off the roster and the, the complete soap opera that surrounded it. But if we forget all of that and we look at him as in terms of pure talent, yeah, he is an incredible wide receiver. He is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's been out of the game for a, for a year and a half. And the, the last time he did suit up, it was for the Patriots for that, that one game. So, you know, and it was, it, we talk about the power. And obviously, Bruce Arians might think he's got the power, but it's really kind of Tom Brady at the moment who has the power in Tampa. And he wanted Antonio Brown. So, it was kind of like a, a rich kid um, wanting whatever they want for Christmas. He, it just happens to be that Tom Brady got his Christmas present a couple of months early. So I, I think it's going to be a fascinating watch. I've, I've picked him up in 
probably about 25, 30% of the, the fantasy teams that I've owned and just settled in nicely on my bench for people that haven't been having any kind of decent production or that I haven't kind of utilised in the first seven weeks. So I am absolutely fascinated to see what happens. And yeah, Mike Evans, who's been kind of underperforming because he's been injured and has been sort of barely catching the ball. I, I bet you my bottom dollar that he's going to step up as soon as Antonio Brown arrives. Chris Godwin seems to be on that that rise now back in terms of performing. Gronk is coming into his own. You know, the 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 weapons there are phenomenal, as you say. I think it's a it's a great, great move for the Buccaneers, but I would put odds on Antonio Brown not making it to the playoffs and something actually happening off the field rather than on the field. So I'm still not convinced that he his mental health is in kind of a hundred percent of full order. So we will see what happens. Obviously, with with Tom Brady, it is the perfect situation to go into. But I I will be watching with bated breath each week in terms of what happens with the Antonio Brown saga of 2020. No, absolutely, mate. You said there the last time we saw him suiting up was obviously in New England and we talked about Tom Brady winning his sort of power battle in Tampa Bay. Um, we talked a lot, didn't we, in the off-season? Who would come out on top in terms of that battle, if you like, between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Um, I'm sure Bill Belichick is going to come and have his day. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's not right the New England Patriots off after a poor performance. But, you know, this was terribly, terribly, terribly poor, particularly by New England standards, wasn't it? Blown out at home by the 49ers, 33-6. to 6. Lawrence, alarm bells ringing? Oh, my goodness. The second sky dish served up was in absolutely no way near as exciting as the first. And it was the Patriots who were impersonating someone burning a frozen pizza, whilst it was the 49ers serving up some golden chicken nuggets with a side salad of humble pie. I think even with all the major injuries the 49ers have suffered, they seem to be growing in stature right now, week by week. After that meltdown two weeks ago against Fitzmagic's Dolphins, 49ers have now beaten the Rams and the Patriots, which is, you know, pretty good going, however you look at it. It was a return to the East Coast for Niners quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, former Belichick second round pick who was never going to replace Tom Brady at the time so he made the absolute right move coming over to the west coast let's just let's just just look at some facts here from from this game the well the last 3 weeks for the patriots in fact they the patriots have scored 28 points in their last 3 games that is the most unpatriots like thing you can possibly imagine I mean, the game itself didn't feature a single passing touchdown, a total of six interceptions, and Cam Newton was actually benched after throwing his third pick with replacement Jarrett Stidham faring absolutely no better, throwing a pick himself. And if you look at the actual quarterback ratings, whilst Cam Newton's was low, Stidham's was actually a tiny bit lower in the, in the kind of upper 30s. So pretty dreadful performances all round. And I think this is the first time under Belichick that the Patriots have failed to score in the first half, um, to score a first half touchdown in three consecutive games. That just never happens. Um, 
49ers were without Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, both on IR running backs. So they lent on Jeff Wilson, who became the first 49ers running back to score three rushing touchdowns in a road game since Roger Craig did the same thing back in the 80s. And don't forget, this is Roger Craig, who used to paint power pyramids on his ankles to give himself extra power. So to me, this felt like the Patriots were, were absolutely being mummified and packing themselves into their own sarcophaguses in front of our eyes. I think Cam will want to bury this performance deep in an African desert somewhere as he looked absolutely out of sorts, passed for 98 yards and didn't even reach 20 on the ground. Niners scored three rushing touchdowns in the first half, two from Jeff Wilson and one from the NFL's best fullback, Mr. Carl Juszczyk. And with a 20-point halftime lead, all that the Patriots managed in the second half was a paltry field goal. So, you know, dreadful performance all round. The, the Niners out, um, outmaneuvered the Patriots by over 226 yards and they had the ball for just over 38 minutes. Jeff Wilson, who was the, this, the star of the game, had 51 yards rushing coming into the contest, into week seven, and it was only his second career 100-yard game and his first since his rookie season in 2018. And his three scores was easily his career best. Unfortunately for him, he did suffer what looked like a pretty nasty ankle injury on his third touchdown um, after he scored it. So we, we're left with Jarek McKinnon coming back in next week for the 49ers. And there was a little, little sprinkling of Jermichael Hasty as well. Um, who, who managed to have, have quite a good sort of cameo role in the game. But the Patriots, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit like the Cowboys that they might really sort of need to pack up this season and go home. Three-game losing streak, Belichick's worst for almost two decades, offensive skill positions that are abysmal. I mean, it, it ab absolutely is time to give Jarrett Stidham a go to see if he can generate a spark somewhere. Um, and maybe, I'll leave this question floating out there, gents, maybe the 31 other teams were right by not signing Cam Newton? Question mark? I think it's a fair question mark. I think it's one of them. I think, you know, let, let's not overreact. We don't know how badly, you know, the, the sort of COVID, um, you know, sort of, I, I was going to say scare, but obviously he had um, definitely contracted COVID, hadn't he? And we don't know how that's affected him. Um, you know, since he's come back, he certainly looked a shadow of what he did in those couple of games prior to that. Um, he's certainly not getting it done through the air. But we've talked about this a few times, fellas. If you actually look at this depth chart and you look at the the players that are on there, I don't care who you put it quarterback, they're going to have a difficult time really getting a tune out of this offense. So big, big problems in uh, in New England. No such problems for the champs. The Chiefs on the road in the first snow game of the year. Uh, they absolutely beat up on the Denver Broncos. 43 points to 16. And if I told you, fellas, it was 43-16 and the Chiefs offence didn't exactly click on all cylinders, you, you would think I was a little bit stupid, wouldn't you? But that, that is the reality of this game. Defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown. Big shout out to good old Boyd and Pringle. One of our favourites on the show. We do love a bit of Pringle. 102 yards to the house on the longest play from scrimmage in the NFL this year. Um, and for Denver, um, you know, off the back of an impressive win uh, in New England, well, we thought it was impressive. Maybe this week has, has maybe had to make us rethink how impressive that victory actually was. 
Uh, a real, real poor performance here, marred by turnovers, four turnovers on the day. Drew Locke not looking good at all. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes actually even was taken out of this game and Chad Henney was taking snaps at quarterback for the Chiefs. That's how much of a blowout it was. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, his first carry as a Chief was 16 yards, which ironically was as long as his second longest carry in a season and a half with the Jets. I believe his longest run with the Jets was 19 yards, fellas. That is absolutely ridiculous for a player of his um, class and quality. Um, I'm sure he will find himself a nice role in this Chiefs offence. But as I say, it wasn't a day really that the offence needed to really do an awful do lot. Know who, do you know who they're playing next week, Sean? Who? The Chiefs? Yeah. Uh, if I, if, 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 you, if I could give you any team, right, and yeah, you just talks about Le'Veon Bell, who do you think they're playing next week? Yeah, they're playing the Jets, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I, w- I wonder what the spread is going to be on that game, fellas. Do we do Ooh, we reckon on like that? You're, you're the oh, Tim's the betting man. All right, then I genuinely haven't got a clue. So, Lawrence, right. how many okay. do you reckon? What's the what's the line? How many points are we giving the Jets? Yeah, how much are you giving? I'll give you the answer. Closest wins. Twenty-seven. I was going. I was going to go for twenty-nine because I thought they might put it at more than four touchdowns or twenty-eight and a half. That's what they usually do, isn't it? They give you a half point. So. Okay. Well, I think you you both need to go down to the bookies and uh, and get on the Chiefs then because it's it's currently twenty two. Twenty two. That's like printing money. <laughs> Good lord! Hang on, let me have a chat with the wife. Get the get the house on the market. We're moving. Come on, let's get on with it. Bloody twenty two. That is stealing. Good lord! Anyway, the Chiefs wrapping up a big uh, win on the road in the first snow game of the year. Let's run through then, boys, the rest of the scores from the week. Um, A few of these games that didn't necessarily fall into either blowout or really exciting. Uh, This one could have probably gone into the blowout, but we've left it where it was because it's, of course, the NFC least. And I'm talking about Dallas against the Washington football team. Would have been a full 10 yards derby before somebody defected his sports fair supportership. Last week, um, but obviously, to be fair, the Dallas Cowboys team, I don't want to rub rub it in and kick a man when he's down, but let's be honest, has Mike McCarthy just actually abdicated his role as head coach of this team? Uh, I haven't. I have no official comment on the game. I have no official comment on anything that was played in that game. And let's just move on and roll on to 2021. (laughs) Uh, No, but in all all seriousness, um, it's just a debacle, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I love that word so much. I thought it's perfect for, the, for for describing what's going on in Dallas. Um, I, do you know what? I don't. I don't even know what's going on in Dallas at the moment. Someone needs to get fired somewhere. Mike Nolan needs to go. Um, but there's, you know, one name obviously you need to learn for next week is Ben Denucci. Uh, obviously, if Dortmund doesn't come back, but it's it's just a hot mess, hot stinking mess. No one's no one's interested in playing. Whether or not the the rumours that we talked about last week, where the, the players aren't interested in playing for them, they're disorganised. It certainly seems as if. The players aren't interested in playing for the coach. There's just no fight. Literally, you know, when when John Bostic hit, lowered his, his shoulder and went straight into the, the the face of Andy Dalton, there was not one player in the face of John Bostic trying to you know stick up for his player. So, um, yeah, there's something going on there, and uh, it's, yeah, something drastic kind of needs to happen. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I as a Dallas fan, season's dead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, good news from the Washington side of things. Um, you know, actually happened today rather than yesterday. Obviously, Ron Rivera completed his last round of chemotherapy. Yeah. Uh, all the best to Coach Ron and Lawrence. Although you obviously, uh, you know, gave up your fandom last week. I believe secretly you did watch this game and the big grin on, on your face. Let's me know that you certainly did. Yeah, I, I, I had to give it a go, e- even though I'm kind of transitioning in into a into a team that I'm going to try and 
try and support as as Tim said before we went on air you can't kind of let go straight away so I had the um, Sky game on the TV and I had this projected on the wall. So I kind of I sit sit in the in my living room, kind of look left at the TV, look right at the wall. So I had that that had the Cowboys Washington game on the wall. Um, it was still still frustrating for Washington fans. They're still dinking and dunking, still just kind of just about barely managing first down, still still kind of finding J.D. McKissick for seven-yard completions and and making a meal out of it. And I, I just I just wondered, at what point were they going to throw a long pass? And they threw one long pass. What was the result? Six points. So, you know, this is a game, you know, this was the Cowboys' defence. This was the the you know the worst pass defense in the league and an a rivalry that goes back you know over 50 years and what do they do they don't adjust the game plan they still just kind of grind it out Kyle Allen still looked absolutely middle of the road Kyle Allen looked like what Andy Dalton used to look like when he was quarterback in the Bengals you know before he had his kind of face knocked into the floor when he was just kind of grinding out performances and he didn't want to watch and it's just unattractive football yes the defense stepped up but it wasn't exactly the hardest task when you've got an, an offense that is just currently lost at sea they should have done better they should have put more pressure on they should have put on more points as it is they they kind of have a very unsatisfying win and even even if I was still a 100% fan I still wouldn't have come away with a kind of a big warm glow in my heart at the end of that game. It was it was still pretty ugly if you look at it from from the Washington perspective as well. I think that that Dallas offensive line again knocked over or beaten by bloody parked cars at the moment. That's how bad it is. Yeah, if you haven't seen the uh, the Twitter clip or the meme that's bound to be created, go and watch Zeke getting run over trying to pick up a blitz. That was beautiful to watch. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, fellas. Uh, a team that would love an ugly win, of course, is the New York Jets, still the only winless team in the league. The Buffalo Bills, I think some alarm bells need to start ringing there. Only managed 18 points, all field goals. Josh Allen and this offence have disappeared up the round backside the last couple of weeks, fellas, let's be honest. And uh, Tyler Bass essentially rescued them in this one with six field goals, some of them pretty lengthy. Also, uh, Aaron Rodgers back to four. We knew we wouldn't have two bad days back to back. Obviously, got a nice game to bounce back in in terms of taking on a Texans defense that obviously has more holes than a sieve. Uh, Devontae Adams had a career day in this one over 190 yards with a couple of touchdowns for him. One of the entertaining games that I enjoyed in the late window the Chargers and the Jags. I said it was entertaining, fellas, because I've got to be honest, I just absolutely love watching Justin Herbert play. He is an absolute superstar in the making. Um, you know, just just a real, really, really exciting prospect. Um, he's got a cracking connection with Keenan Allen. Um, he, he just looks the prototypical quarterback, doesn't he? If someone said draw a quarterback, he would draw something that looks a little bit like Justin Herbert. Um, obviously, plenty of guys come out and flash early doors. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue it and keep it going moving forward. Obviously, the quarterback on the other side of the field is one of those that came on and, and flashed instantly, but obviously now question marks are being raised. I've heard whispers that he may well actually be finding his way to the bench. 
in the non-too-distant future. I think that's a little bit harsh when the defence is giving up as many points as it is. You know, I think the Jags have got much more problems on that side of the ball compared to um, what they have offensively. But the Chargers win this one 39-29. They had us all a bit worried. I think a few of us in the full 10 yards were playing the Chargers in the Survivor League, uh, but uh, they just about clung on. Talking about playing in Survivor Leagues or Pick'em Leagues, just an update on our full 10 yards Pick'em. Good week for LOL3000, who managed an impressive 11 out of 12 correct selections, just missed out on the Seahawks, um, which I'm sure many people probably did. Uh, David, too, he's a name that we're mentioning every week, aren't we, Feathers? His lead at the top, though, cut to three points by said LOL3000. LOL3000 is Lawrence. I actually know him, so yeah, well done to him. Well, then, indeed, if you are listening and you haven't entered and you're thinking, what the bloody hell are they going on about, do get involved, free to play uh, on ESPN. You'll find the link through all the articles that we release throughout the week. All you need to do is pick the winners of every NFL game throughout the week. If you get a perfect week, you get a prize. So even if you haven't entered and you think, well, I'm not going to catch David too, well, that doesn't matter. You could still win yourself a nice little prize. So get involved. Talking of winners and losers, fellas, let's get to that section where we each choose a winner and loser on the week. So, Tim, let's come to you. Uh, yeah, so obviously Justin Herbert was in the reckoning for me. He was my honourable mention, obviously making the name for himself. I've got a stat for him very shortly indeed. But uh, big winners for me, obviously Arizona, getting a huge win, a bit of a smash and grab over in, in Seattle, um, getting back into the race for the NFC West and just clawing back Seattle. Um, and again, it, obviously they, they smashed the Cowboys last week. Obviously that's no mean, that's a... Uh, that's nothing to write home about, but obviously this was a, a kind of a litmus test. Obviously they've struggled over the last couple of weeks as well. So I think they're, they're kind of back on track and back, back in the right groove. And your loser. Um, and the loser for me, um, well, apart from Dallas, um, obviously I've talked about that. And the, the other, the other one I just had was obviously was just Cam Newton uh, and New England. I know I say we've mentioned obviously after week three, when the Patriots were two and one and Tampa Bay were struggling, everyone was saying, oh, you know, Bill Belichick's a genius. And obviously now that's, that's flipped on its head 180 and everyone's now saying, um, you know, it's Tampa Bay and, and, and Tom that are kind of the uh, kind of, if it's a boxing match, it's kind of the knockout blow stage, isn't it, for, for Tampa and, and Tom in, in that in that kind of little matchup there. So yeah, Cam Newton, uh, big losers, and New England Patriots, big losers. Yeah, hard to disagree with either of those selections. Lawrence, let's come to you, my friend. We're going to have to pause the podcast because I've got exactly the same winner and loser. I'm not kidding. So That's my right. winner was... We just doubled down. <laughs> well, my winner, I was going to say, Carla Murray and Zane Gonzalez kind of together as joint winners. And the loser, I've got, got the Patriots. Slightly different take on both of them, but both exactly the same. So uh, what do you want me to do with this? Yeah, that's record fine. something diff- yeah. just keep it we'll just, we'll just double down we'll All double right. down we'll double down mate. I can't be All asked right. to edit it either so that's absolutely <laughs> fine enough. mate that's absolutely fine I will, I will throw in something different then fellas I, for the same sort of reasoning my winner for the week although we didn't mention him too much when we talked about the game because a lot of it was done on the ground but I'm going to give a shout out to Jimmy Garoppolo I think that was a huge win for him personally to go on the road essentially to the building that uh, dumped him all those years ago now um, you know, whatever you think of him his record in San Francisco has been pretty phenomenal since he's been there and not many victories would have meant more to him than the one that he picked up this week so I think uh, a big shout out there to Jimmy Garoppolo 
I think in terms of the loser for the week, fellas, it is difficult to look anywhere other than New England just on the sheer scale of that blowout. But I will go slightly differently. And I'm going to say that I'm going to say Drew Locke. Um, I think he's a player that we all hoped would have a good second season. He showed enough promise at the back end of his rookie campaign. Um, and like I say, I know the conditions weren't exactly great yesterday. Um, you know, but yet again, another couple of interceptions, took three sacks, um, and just really struggling to get this offense moving since he's been back in the lineup. Appreciate he had an injury early on in the season. Um, you know, but unfortunately in this league, you know, you don't get an awful lot of time, do you? And as the record currently stands, you know, unless there is a, a good turnaround, Denver are going to be picking up near the top end of the draft. And we've already seen John Elway. He's quite quick to pull the trigger on a quarterback if he thinks there's somebody there. Um, I think there's a big few weeks ahead for Drew Locke. Uh, they're obviously in a tough division there with the, the Chiefs. The the Raiders are obviously playing some decent football. And obviously, we just all talked about how um, exciting Justin Herbert is for the Chargers. So, a few big weeks coming up for Drew Locke. Uh, right then, boys, stats. I already know there's a Justin Herbert one coming. Tim's given me a spoiler. So, go on, Tim. I'll let you start us off for the week. Right, so we'll do the Justin Herbert one. And Lawrence, uh, I know you'd like to give me a bit of a question, so I'm going to flip the tables on you this week. Uh, Justin Herbert's 31-yard rush was the longest by a Chargers QB since 1988. Do you want to name that QB, Lawrence? 1988. John Fries? Uh, no. Mark, uh, Mark Malone. Mark Malone, who was... Who spent more time with the Pittsburgh Steelers and was a <laughs> a backup? So I I am very familiar with Mark Malone's um, more more as a Pittsburgh Steeler than a San Diego Charger. That must have been a, a later point in Mark Malone's career. There we go. There you go. Thirty six yards he, he did in ninety eighty eight, and Justin Herbert thirty one. Obviously, longest since then. Which is actually quite surprising considering Tyra Tyler Taylor was there. Uh, is is has been has been there for a little. Was obviously there at the start of the season, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it does help that Philip Rivers has probably got 31 rushing yards on his career, yeah, yeah, let exactly, alone in yeah. one attempt, to be fair. Lawrence, it has to be your first one, buddy. Here we go. So bear with us on this one. Matthew Stafford is one of only six quarterbacks to have twice managed to pass for a touchdown in the last 10 seconds of a game when trailing by eight or less. So his miracle sidearm pass to tight end TJ Hawkinson was part of an incredibly tight finish. Two, So six players have performed this feat. Two are retired. I'll give you those, Tim Couch and, and Matt Castle. So, gents, can you name the three players that were in action last weekend who have twice managed to pass for a touchdown in the last 10 seconds of a game when down by eight or less? Tom Brady. No. Kyler Murray. No. Russell Wilson. No. No, we can't. <laughs> no, no. Go on, Tim. One more guess, Tim, and then I'll give you the three. Uh, Jesus. Deshaun Watson. No, it was Aaron Rodgers. Gotta go, buddy, Aaron Rodgers. Kind of obvious. Ryan Tannehill, less obvious. And then the the absolute least obvious, Andy Dalton. 
we could have been here till next Monday, and I don't think we would have got Andy Dalton, would we? So, yeah, a bit of an exclusive group. Look, so Matt Stafford has got a, a fabulous record, it's got to be said, in terms of fourth-quarter comebacks. He might say something about how bad the Lions have been down the years, to be fair, that he's got so many. But, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good when the game is on the line. All right, Tim, hit us with your second one. Okay, a bit of a fun one here. The minor all quarterback related as well, and I'll save the best one for last. Um, so Russell Wilson listed at five foot eleven, and Kyler Murray listed at five foot ten. This is the first game in the Super Bowl area in which two cute quarterbacks under six feet tall have passed for both uh, for uh, both passed for over two hundred and fifty yards. Little man can get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two really exciting quarterbacks are they're going to be around for a little while to come as well, particularly. Kyler Murray, obviously. Uh, you always forget how long Russell Wilson's already been in the league, but uh, he's still got plenty of years ahead of him anyway. Lauren, it's your second one. It's short, sweet, but significant. Despite having a cow, Cam Newton became the first quarterback in NFL history to pass for 30,000 yards and rush for 5,000. Yeah, if ever there was a game for him to uh, get some uh, crumb of comfort, this was obviously the one. So, yeah, congratulations to Cam. Um, obviously, he'll be looking for plenty more air yards in the coming weeks. Tim, your final one, my friend. Right, here we go. This this is the one that brings home the bacon, ladies and gents. Now, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, Sean, so I don't know. I, I was hoping you didn't ruin it. You kind of did a little bit. But anyway, you mentioned, obviously, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and I've taken on your advice from previous podcasts about going Cleveland Browns friendly. So here we go, pandering to the host. After starting 0-5, he completed uh, these last 22 passes in a row, obviously leading to the game-winning uh, the game-winning touchdown. Baker Mayfield had a 0.005% ch- uh, chance of completing all those passes or in layman's term, a one in 19,062 chance of completing all those in a row. Now that's impressive. That is impressive. Not only have you played up to the host, you've actually pulled out a really good stat there as well. I don't know who on earth has calculated that it was a one in 19 odd thousand chance, but you know, I'll take that. It was certainly impressive watching it. And uh, yeah, as we said earlier, I'll tweet you my source. He certainly needed it. He certainly did. Well, then, Lawrence, you're up against him, mate. I have, I have given you three weeks' worth of advice to pander to. Me, one of you has eventually taken the bait. Ah, no, two of us have taken ah. that advice. Ah, Here we go. Gone. Here we go. Come on, then. And, and there's a little Cowboys tickler at the end of it as well. So here we go. Ooh, here no. we go. Ah, no, no. Double one. <laughs> this, this is, this is hopefully, this is. You talk about bringing home the bacon. I want the whole roast hog out of this one. In the 21st century, only eight rookie tight ends have managed a stat line that's included 50 or more yards and two touchdowns. This was a feat delivered by the Browns beast, Mr. Harrison Bryant, who um, I actually managed to put on the vast, vast majority of my week seven DraftKings slates because he was only 2.5 million. So I was personally let down by DK Metcalf, who had an absolute rubbish game. But Harrison Bryant um, was was an absolute beast for me. Um, this feat, this 50-plus yards and two touchdowns, has been managed twice as a rookie by Rob Gronkowski back in 2010. But it was managed by a Dallas Cowboys rookie three times. Tim, who was that Dallas Cowboys tight end that managed that feat three times in less than two months of a season? 
in in the 21st century well we, we, no 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 oh, no oh, in, okay. in... <laughs> oh, i've got i've got no chance in. <laughs> take take it back I'll, I'll give you a clue oh god he's he's won a super bowl as a head coach No. Mr. Cigar Chewer himself, Mike Ditka. No, Mike Ditka. Back go. in 1961, he managed between October and December, he managed three lots of two touchdown 50-plus yard games as a rookie. Impressive, impressive stuff. Boys, I'm loving the fact that you know, you're both now pandering to me. I've got you in the palm of my hands. It's lovely. Absolutely beautiful. On me, Coney. One week only. Well, if that's the case, then I'm definitely giving it to Lawrence because uh, you couldn't get your Cowboys trivia right. So Lawrence takes the win this week. Plenty of stats, as we said earlier. Plenty of records being broken left, right and centre. And, you know, you can tell it's 2020, boys, when the Browns quarterback does something that's got a one in 19,000 and something on chance. It's a strange old year. So plenty of stats will be yeah. coming out every week. Uh, let's do something a little bit different then, boys. We hopefully haven't spent as long rambling about the games as we tend to do on a Monday. And we make no apology for that. We get excited. We love the game. But uh, let's turn our focus to week eight. We said there were a couple of highlights. Uh, we've just picked out a few just to sort of go into a little bit more depth on. And let's start right at the outset with the big match of the weekend. Um, it's a real shame it isn't in prime time we're recording this now and the sky games haven't been announced but i think we would all fall off our chair if this wasn't the game that's on in the early window and i am of course lawrence talking about your new favorite team the baltimore ravens can they be the ones to dethrone the undefeated so far pittsburgh steelers absolutely possible two teams very very evenly matched if we look at the historic series which only goes back to 1996 Steelers lead it 28-24. Both teams have scored just over a thousand points on each other. That that kind of point scored difference between them is is less. You know, it's about a couple of touchdowns. It's ridiculous. In their um, in that rivalry, they've met four times in the playoffs in the 21st century. 2002, 2009, 2011, and 2015. Steelers won the first three. Ravens won the last one back in the 2014 in the wild card game. Big Ben sacked five times and threw two picks. That was when Joe Flacco was still lighting it up in Baltimore. Ravens have won three out of the last four. If we come to actual recent memory, including sweeping the Steelers in 2019. And that week 17 victory was without Lamar Jackson. This was when the Ravens managed to get to 14 and two with Robert Griffin Jr. the third, not junior, Robert Griffin the third, um, taking the helm for that game and finishing the Steelers at eight and eight last season. So this was a, a Ravens team that then obviously got unceremoniously dumped out of the playoffs by King Henry and Ryan Tannehill's Titans. Lamar and the Ravens are coming off a bye week, so they've had a chance to have a little bit of a rest whereas the Steelers just about managed to hang on to their unbeaten record. It was a case that, that if that Gotzkowski field goal would have taken it to overtime, who knows what would have happened? Who knows if King Henry could have done yet another bit of overtime magic? So there, there, is, there is a little bit of nervousness there. Big Ben throwing three picks last week. There's signs that he is not quite 
as as brilliant as people are making out. As we said, they've got a very, very balanced team, the Steelers. But is there a few signs of a few cracks there in in um, Roethlisberger's CV? I expect this to be a, a really, really cagey game. I don't expect a lot of scoring in the first half. And I expect it to kind of warm up in the second. But I have to say it. I'll give it to the Ravens, but I'll give it by between one and three. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a close game also, and it, it is a difficult one to call. If anything, I, I sort of like the way that Pittsburgh match up on on paper. I think they will they will keep Lamar in the pocket while they'll keep him contained, so anything he needs to do will come through the middle, and they'll obviously be hoping there that they'll have the numbers to be able to bottle that up. Um I think both of these sides, you know, they'll obviously be delighted with the records that they have, but I, I do think both of them will also be looking and thinking that there is room for improvement. I don't think the Ravens have, have sort of lit, lit it up the last few weeks despite getting victories. And as you said there, there still are some question marks about the the Steelers. Um, you know, everyone was crowning Chase Claypool as the world's greatest wide receiver the other day, and he managed one reception for negative yardage this week. So... Yeah, there are still definite question marks to be asked, but it will be a really exciting game. And of course, with there only being one, um, you know, guaranteed by in the playoffs, you know, I mean, we don't want to look too far ahead. There's still a lot of football to be played, but even at this early stage, it could be crucial. Uh, the only reason that it might not make the Sky early selection, Tim, is that, of course, it will also see the debut of Tua. Tangavailoa this weekend. We talked about it briefly on the pod last week. It had just been announced, and we sort of all sat here and, <laughs> and completely misread the situation. That Ryan Fitzpatrick was sort of in on it, and then obviously gave a really heartfelt interview the following day. And it was actually really, really insightful. And I think anybody that was a fan of Fitz before that, he's you know your fandom of him just went to an, a whole nother level. I actually genuinely really felt for the guy. Um, you know, he felt that this was his team. You know, he felt that, you know, probably since, you know, he was playing for the Bills all those years ago, that this was the first time he could actually say that this was his franchise. And he's still going to be a good teammate. He's still going to be, you know, a fabulous mentor and backup. But he said how difficult that, that following day was once he got the news but let's, you know, touch on that by all means if you want to. But let's really focus on what Tua potentially is going to bring to the table. It's a difficult matchup against the Rams. We obviously, you know, haven't seen them in action yet this week. Um, but, you know, potentially Dolphins, big fan base, of course, in the UK. That might be a, a route that Sky go. But obviously, if they don't, plenty will watch it on Game Pass just for the excitement of Tua on the field. Yeah, and unfortunately, like a like a, a hyped Game of Thrones season, uh, we won't know the answers that we want until kind of the end of the season. Um, it, it will be debated each week, and his every every move will be under the microscope. We won't know whether or not it was the right decision to do what they're doing uh, this early in the season. I still think it's probably a, a, a little bit early. Um, it feels like it feels like the wrong move for me, considering they are three and three. They are second in the AFC East, and they say the Patriots obviously losing uh, this week as well. Um, the wild card spots are up for grabs and with Fitzpatrick uh, again it's not we're not far removed not, not even a, almost a year uh, I think we're two weeks away from a year of, of when uh, Tua uh, got his injury at Alabama on his on his hip it's, it's actually one, one of the actual actually few get college games I ever watched and I can't actually remember why I had it on but I remember watching that last year um, but yeah less than a year removed from that you know, potentially career-ending uh, injury but 
so yeah, I still feel it's a little bit early. I had a chance to think about it. Obviously, it's a bit crushing for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, this is a Miami Dolphins team that are top half in terms of points scored. Uh, defense, pass, pass defense has been decent. Um, again, we un, until a couple of games are played and until kind of the, the wild card or the division shakes out, we won't know whether or not it was the right decision or the wrong decision or a stupid decision, uh, to, be, to be quite honest. Um, but the one thing I will say with two, obviously it's the first time we'll see a lefty in in, in five years. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the world famous quarterback Kellen Moore, week 17 in 2015 for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, in all joke aside, it'll be the the first lefty rookie uh, that we'll see since Tim Tebow in uh, 2010 as well. So uh, yeah, not many lefties in the league. So it'd be interesting to see. It'd be just a bit weird seeing. Obviously, the camera is obviously on. So it'll be to his back, so seeing someone's back as they as they throw will be a bit a bit weird to see. Um, but yeah, like I say, everything will be will be scrutinised. Everything's under the microphone, under microphone, under microscope as well. Um, in terms of all, every throw he makes, every scramble he makes, every sack he takes, and you know, every hit he takes on his hip. Um, so I hope that they don't over. Uh, over egg the omelette for that one um, but yeah it's obviously an extra spice added to week eight they take on the Rams I'm, I'm sure that two will love the fact that he's or he'll love like Brian Flores for letting him start off against uh, Aaron Donald for, you know steam through his nose and through his ears get raring at the bit uh, to, to get at him so um, yeah it'd be interesting to see how it all pans out yeah, welcome to the NFL to uh, meet Aaron Donald. Like you say, couldn't get much of a more difficult matchup to start with, could they? Uh, there's a couple of other really intriguing games in the light window. I'd initially written down earlier today, fellas, when we talked about tonight's pod, the Seahawks 49ers. There's obvious divisional implications on that one. Another game that's on the slate is the Bears and the Saints. And I kind of keep forgetting about the Bears. They're actually the number one seed in the NFC as we record this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, there's two really decent games in that light window. So it'll be interesting to see which direction Sky ultimately do go. Um, let's be honest, we've got a few stinkers in the predetermined primetime games this week. Certainly on paper, at least, we've got the Panthers-Falcons opening up the week on Thursday night football. We mentioned it earlier, Eagles-Cowboys, Sunday night football, and the Giants-Bucks is Monday night football. So come on, Sky Sports, do us proud and pick a couple of doozies on the Sunday evening slate. That's going to wrap us up for another edition of the podcast. Be sure to check out all of the articles coming your way over the course of the coming days. Obviously, tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening, will be Tuesday takeaway day. Um, So obviously get our written thoughts on the week that was, and then we start turning the clock towards another week of action. Obviously, all your preview articles um, and all of that kind of good stuff, getting you ready for the game day weekend. Obviously, all the boys over in college and fantasy with their regular content throughout the course of the season as well. And myself and Tim will be back in visual form on Thursday for another edition of the full 10 questions. Can anybody take Tim down? He's only been beaten once so far this season. So who is going to come and take a go this week? If you want to get involved, get in touch, as always, on Twitter at Full10Yards, and we will sort that out and get you lined up. Any closing words for the podcast then, fellas? Lawrence, you started off with some beautiful music for us. Have you got any words of wisdom to say goodbye on? Um, just just wanted to plug a little article that I've put on in the on the Full 10 website around Black History Month and especially celebrating all of the black quarterbacks that we've had in in the entire history of the NFL going way, way, way back. 
So from the times of Fritz Pollard right up to the times of Dwayne Haskins. So I think there's been 104 black quarterbacks. So it was great fun to kind of do some research on that and see kind of where where we've come to. So, you know, the fact that we've been talking about Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, you know, we've talked about first primarily their talent, second of all, their their height. And we haven't mentioned at all kind of what, what colour their skin is. If we would have gone back 30 years, 20 years, we would have been, that would have been more of a headline. So we've, we've made so much progress as a, as a, as a planet, as, as NFL fans, that that's not even a consideration anymore. So, you know, we know that there's still prejudices around the world. We know that there's still huge issues, um, you know, in terms of law enforcement and all of this. And I don't want to use this as a sort of political football, but, you know, I just think I'm, I'm so proud of kind of where we are as fans in terms of not seeing colour and just seeing talent instead. So that's that's my little kind of semi-serious note to, to end the pod this week. Now, absolutely, mate. It's a great read, as all of your retro articles always are. Um, if anyone is interested in any of the sort of history of the game or anything like that, get in touch. You know, we are more than happy to go back, research and provide the content. Certainly plenty of passion over a number of years for the game. Tim, any closing words from you, my friend? Yeah, just on a, 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 an equally serious note, Dijak. Um, is it when's Dallas's bye week? Yeah. <laughs> are, you just looking forward to, are you just looking forward to a week that they won't lose? Well, this is it, isn't it? No, absolutely, mate. It's... Um... Yeah, it's not been a great season, has it? I did, um, I did hear actually, and I should, I will very quickly just one word answer on this. If you gave away a, you know, fifth round, sixth rounder, Fitzpatrick at the uh, Cowboys, no, he thought was it? He got, no. Offensive lines, do do dead. We're dead. We're dead. We're dead. <laughs> if even Fitzmagic can't save your season, that tells you all that you need to know, doesn't it, ladies and gents? That's it for another week. Thanks for all your support and all your listens. Go and rate, review and all those good things for us. Help us get our content further and wider. Tell your friends. We'd love for more and more people to listen to us. We enjoy making the show and hope you enjoy listening along with us. We'll be back next Monday to review all of the Week 8 action. But until then, from myself, Tim and Lawrence, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.